Hello, and welcome to the Justice and Coffee podcast. The podcast where we talk justice over coffee with a special guest. And in this episode, I thought we'd do something a bit different. Hola. Me llaman Romeo. Es un placer conocerla. Just a few weeks ago, I was sunning my ginger skin in the Dominican Republic in a last-minute bid to escape the grey drizzle of yet another British autumn. Moreover, I went there with a plan, or rather an idea, to open a Blue Bear coffee shop in the Dominican Republic to provide safe employment to girls and young women at risk of exploitation. Listeners will probably know a little bit about Blue Bear Coffee by now, the producer of this podcast. You may also know that Blue Bear was first conceived as a consequence of a year I spent in the Dominican Republic investigating the commercial sexual exploitation of children on the island. Well, it has been three and a half years since I boarded my flight home to the UK with a broken heart and a hopeful idea. And on returning to this stunningly beautiful country for the first time a few weeks ago, I was so keen to catch up with my friends and colleagues from the IJM field office where I had worked. There is a word in Spanish which I love, aprovechar. It means to make the most of. And armed with a clip-on mic and a mobile phone whilst in country, I decided to aprovechar the moments and record a couple of short interviews with my colleagues there in order to share with you the work of this particularly special project. So we're going to do this in two parts. In the first episode, we're going to meet with Sonia and Luz from the IJM field office and hear about the great work they do for the project. I also took a clip mic with me one night into one of the red light districts of Santo Domingo to evidence a little of the underbelly that exists in this tropical paradise, which you're going to hear too. In the second episode, we're going to meet with Erica Jude, the founder of Lily House, a very special aftercare shelter that provides love, support and restorative services to young female survivors of sex trafficking. And I have a special announcement to make about the future of Blue Bear Coffee Co. So don't miss that one. But let's start with a little chat with Sonia Hernandez, the legal director of the IJM field office. Sonia! Dígame. ¿Por qué hay una...? No, in English. Vamos en English. Yeah, mejor para todos. Let's talk in English. Particularly, <laughs> it is particularly for me. Um, could you tell us why there is a IJM project in the Dominican Republic? Yes, well, IJM is known as a non-profit international organization that works for more than 20 years around the world fighting modern slavery. And our mission is to rescue victims from from violence, bringing criminals to justice, 
uh, restoring their lives and empowering the authorities so they can improve the response to, to victims. So in the Dominican Republic, IGM saw that there was a problem with sex trafficking against minors. And that was the reason why IGM came to the country to work with the authorities and fighting sex trafficking, bringing criminals to justice and giving restorations to, to children. So in, we came to the Dominican Republic in 2013 and since then we have been working with the authorities, investigating cases, bringing criminals to justice and restoring survivors. We have reached more than 50 convictions, but it's a good number because before IGM came to the country we just uh, have less than 10 convictions in in a period of 10 years, that was when when the sex trafficking law was adopted in 20 in 2003. So it, it's a good uh, result of the work that AGM has been doing with the local authorities uh, combating sex trafficking, and also we had had the opportunity to remove from their exploitation place more than 400 women and children, and more than 50 of them has reached restoration. And Sonia, could you perhaps describe some of the challenges you have with this type of work here in the Dominican Republic? Yeah, that's a good question because we have faced several challenges here with the authorities in sex trafficking cases. And in my country, it's like normal to see minors, like girls or adolescents with adults getting married because they are they live vulnerable situations and that's exactly what exploitation is, sexual exploitation is. For example, when this happens, the community is like normal. And our authorities also think these are normal things. And when we try to get on trial, a person who has sexually exploited a child, then maybe the prosecutor said, no, this is something normal, so we are not going to charge the perpetrator. Or also the judge said, well, there is not a crime because the parents agree that their girl had been married with this person or had been sexually exploited and that's wow that has been very difficult for me as a lawyer to see prosecutors that things like that and also judges that doesn't apply the law in the way that the law says and it's more difficult if you are expecting for the public justice system to respond to a case and they don't mm. So it, it has been very difficult and it has been a challenge for us to, to see how the public justice system responds when we have a sex trafficking case. And what progress has been made over the last eight, eight years? Yeah, we have seen progress because we have 
started program to to educate judges and prosecutors, police officers, and we have trained them, and we have seen convictions, important convictions against perpetrators, and we have seen how the victim has received a response to protect the right on tribunal, but also to to receive restoration from our authorities. So, yeah, at first it was difficult because we, we we couldn't see good convictions. Only maybe one year of conviction to a person that exploit that sexually exploited a child. And my God, when the law said a minimum of 15 years, and it has been difficult, but we have seen a good convictions, and you know, in that sense. So. At first was difficult, but now we have convictions that seems that the public justice system is responding in accordance to the law. Sonia, tell me what a good day at work looks like. A good day at work. Okay, when we have information about a girl that has been sexually exploited and I see police officers committed making a, a, an investigation, but what is the best is when we have the opportunity to remove that girl from their place of, of exploitation. And when we have the opportunity to protect her, to give her the attention that she requires in that moment, and when we could see a smile on her face. And yeah, when when we have the opportunity to see that we are helping lives, that we are removing uh, sexual exploitation of their lives, well, yeah, that's, that's a good day. Thank you, Sonia. Sonia is quite a demure and softly spoken Dominican woman, but you should see her in a courtroom. Talk about a transformation. What a powerhouse. And the work she and her team of committed human rights lawyers, Ricey, Mildred, Julia, what they have achieved over the life of this project is nothing short of extraordinary. Earlier this year, they worked with the government to change the Dominican constitution and ban child marriage. Be careful not to presume that was an easy task. Child marriage has yet to be fully outlawed here in the UK. The issue is currently being debated in Parliament as it's still legal for a 16-year-old to marry with their parents' consent. And children as young as 12 can marry today in 44 of the 50 US states. As Sonia explained, before the project was launched in 2013, there had been less than 10 convictions for the crime of the commercial sexual exploitation of children, or rather child sex trafficking. The number is actually less than five. Prior to the launch of the project, IJM conducted a baseline study where they estimated that 10% of the sex workers on the island were in fact children. Sex work in the Dominican Republic is legal, and it has one of the highest levels of prostitution in the world. Buying children for sex, however, is not legal. 
the Dominican law exists to prohibit such an act and to know that the government has since prosecuted over 50 offenders with the support of the IGM team is evidence of the significant and systemic impact this project has had. So we've met Sonia, who works to prosecute offenders and see justice done. Another large part of the project is to walk the long miles ahead with survivors who have been rescued and removed from situations of exploitation, which is where the aftercare teams step in. So now let's meet Luz, one of the aftercare specialists at the office, and hear a little bit about her job. Luz, could you tell me if there are any similarities between our survivors of trafficking that you've noticed in your role as a care worker? Claro que sí. There are several different factors that can make children and young people vulnerable. I really believe that it's important that we have a strong public justice system as a country where our children's rights are protected and their education is respected. It's also important that children who are orphaned or abandoned have access to a suitable guardian who is aware of their needs, but above all, that the people who commit this type of crime have adequate sentences given to them by the courts. By doing justice, these cases with appropriate sentencing, we can create a precedent so that the rights of our young people are not longer violated. Luz, I have always thought what you and your colleagues do is incredible, and I want to know how you can do what you do and still protect your emotions, protect yourself, because I imagine it's really difficult work to do emotionally. Bueno, siempre vamos a estar eh, vulnerable a cuando vemos un caso. We will always be vulnerable when we work on our cases. We always have mixed feelings and emotions as we are human beings. Sometimes cases will overwhelm us on an emotional level, but self-care, taking personal and family time and doing things that disconnect us a little bit from work are sensible ways of dealing with the trauma. We all see therapists as part of our jobs and make sure we pamper and take care of ourselves. Self-care should be a priority for anyone working with survivors and crimes associated with violence. El autocuidado tiene que ser uno A para una persona que trabaje con víctimas de cualquier tipo de delito violento. And Luz, what does a good day look like for you at work? Bueno, un día bueno para mí es... A good day work for me is when I can see that I'm doing a good job with the survivors. When I see them empowered and when I can see their cases being taken seriously by the authorities. Also, when I can see a survivor restored and her rights are no longer being violated and above all, she is protected. This is a good day's works for me. Que podemos decir que está restaurada, que sus derechos no están siendo vulnerados, que está protegido. Eso es un buen día de trabajo. Luz and her colleagues in the aftercare department do the long, sticky, tangled, knotted, difficult work which we very rarely focus on. 
We love to concentrate on the rescue or even the sentencing of offenders at court. But the day-to-day work of helping a young life to rebuild itself, I think, often gets overlooked. I have such deep admiration for anyone working in this field. I believe these people have been equipped with abnormally large hearts. One of the places that actually take in, accommodate, educate and care for survivors of exploitation is Lily House, who we're going to meet in the next half of this two-part podcast. But before we do, when I was part of this project a few years ago, I was there as an investigator. And part of my role was to go out and identify brothels and bars which were trafficking children. Being back in the country, it was certainly a relief not to have to spend my precious few days doing such work. I did, however, want to capture something of the sex industry in the DR for you to understand just how prevalent and relied upon it is for thousands of women in this country. So one night I took a walk up one of the most popular touristic streets in Santo Domingo. So it's a Tuesday night. I'm staying in a hotel in the Zona Colonial, the colonial zone of Santo Domingo. It's the more traditional area of the city, the older area of the city. Very touristic, very beautiful, very typically Dominican. And I thought it might be interesting after dinner to go for a walk along Calia Conde, which is the principal road running east to west through this region. You can buy the usual touristic knickknacks, there are paintings, there are musical instruments, there are ice creams and, and those sort of things. But it's also a place where I will likely be approached by somebody that's either selling sex or can connect me to somebody that's selling sex, perhaps take me to a brothel or a club or a strip club. I've only been here a few days and having walked along Galiagonde recently, I don't think I've managed to go more than a couple hundred meters without being being stopped in the evening at least so i thought why not try and document some of this and let's see what happens i won't take it any further than that other than to to hold a conversation and find out what is being offered to me for the purpose of of, of this podcast i'm not going to follow any line of investigation uh, for obvious safety reasons but i thought it might be interesting to see if i am indeed approached and and provide evidence in some way of just how easy it is to access prostitution in the Dominican Republic and and sadly in some cases the availability of minors too. Bien, gracias. Ben? Ben? Sí. Oh, yo, Ben. ¿Dónde van, mi amor? Por mi hotel. ¿Dónde ¿Perdón? ¿Dónde tu hotel? Yo no puedo, escúchate. ¿Dónde tu Ah, casi 100 metros por aquí. So I'm going to jump in with some translations. I've been walking for about five minutes. And at this point, I was approached by a lady, probably in her 40s, perhaps even early 50s, who was asking where my hotel was. 
¿100 metros? Sí. Vamos a acompañarte. ¿Ah, verdad? Sí. ¿Y cuánto cuesta? No, yo te doy una demostración. Si te gusta, lo hacemos. Si no te ah, yo, ya, ya entiendo. ¿Y dónde está el, el lugar? Vamos aquí. ¿Está cerca? Sí. Porque no, no me gusta caminando con, con la lluvia. No, pero podemos ir a hotel. So at this point, it's been established that this woman is working as a prostitute. I've asked for a price. She said, no, you can pay what you choose. And she's asked to come back to my hotel room. Ah, okay. No, no, no. Está bien. Claro, yo no, 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 no. Siempre yo pago, pero ahora no. ¿Por qué ahora no? Está bien, está bien. ¿Cuánto tienes? So at this point, I've turned down the offer and explained that I wasn't interested. And here she says that she could offer me access to other girls. And I've asked, how many do you have? ¿Cuánto tienes? How many do you have? No hay menor de edad. No hay. Sí, menor de edad no. No hay menor de edad. This means there are no minors, which I clarified. There aren't any? No, there are no minors. We're going to come back to this. No. Y las más jóvenes, entonces. Bueno, de 24. Y te la so I've asked, what's the youngest woman you can connect me with? She said 24. Yeah. Hablamos más tarde. No, más tarde. Yo también, yo también. Buena noche. I don't know how well that was recorded, but um, yeah, as, as it's expected, really. Sí. Vamos a mí. Yeah. Give me 15 pesos. 15, please. ¿Por qué? Tengo hungry. Yo también. Ah, pues ven. Está bien, está bien. Ven, amigo. No. Hola, hermano, ¿qué tal? ¿Qué es eso? Un club para mujeres, ¿sí? So at this point, I'm approached by a man who is a taxi driver. He got out of his cab and showed me a board with pictures of women on it in sexual positions. And it was the name of a, a bar that he wanted to take me to where I could acquire such services. So this is one continuous event. This is not cut up or spliced up. This is just walking down the end of Caliconde and what I encountered. Ah, I got a club of women. He knows. Okay, okay. I'm going to my hotel. Hola. Yeah, so uh, the experiment has somewhat confirmed what I was expecting. Está bien, está bien. Pues mira, él te va a llevar. No. Regálame algo, mi amor. Está bien. Me voy a mi hotel ahora. No, 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 no. You might have heard there that she was asking for 100 pesos. That's about $2. So the offer of sex has been rescinded. Now it was it was simply a case of asking for money. Can I have $2, please? Lo siento, señora. I'm now being warned about going to the wrong club where there's lots of women that may potentially rob me. They might rob me at the club.
si tú vas a un club que te lleve él, ya. dile que él te lleva, donde no te vayan a robar. ¿El taxi chofer? Sí, él te lleva, el taxi te lleva. Sí, él, él conoce, ¿no? Sí, él sabe dónde hay club, ya. pero que no te vayan a coger los tuyos. Yeah. Ve que él te lleva. Yo lo llevo, yo taxi. Entiendo, entiendo. Y él es taxista. Sí. Tú le buscas una mujer que no le vaya a coger no, nada. Pero que yo sea, ahí, ahí donde no Sí, tú lo llevas, ve, llévalo. Vete con él, no hay yeah. problema. Ahora no, pero. ¿Y por qué ahora no? Porque ahora no. So once again making my excuses that it's not something I want to do tonight. Pero quizás otro día. Gracias. Amor mío. Hola mi amor. Ven acá. No, no, está bien. Está bien. Gracias, gracias, gracias. Sí. So yeah, that's about uh, four, four different approaches in the space of about 25 meters. There's also a taxi driver that showed me a sign. There's another one of the, the sex workers who was explaining that I like them young and he said not a problem. If I was working, if I was in company with another investigator, if I had uh, a camera, a means of corroboration, that would be something that we would respond to and investigate and see if indeed any of the women or young women, or in some cases girls, were, were present, were in a situation of exploitation. We would gather evidence, take that to the police and return in, in the form of a, of a police operation to close the place down to check the identities and the ages of all of the sex workers and in the case that there were minors there we would have uh, uh, an apparent case of the commercial sexual exploitation of children. It was interesting wasn't it? when the first woman said, no hay menor de edad, no hay menores, there are no minors. When I asked about the girls at the club she'd referred to, I wonder whether this is an indicator of success. I dearly hope so. I also wonder if it may count as proof as to the amount of Western tourists inquiring as to the availability of minors in the Dominican sex industry. At this point in our conversation, I hadn't asked for a minor. This was her omission. No hay menores. It's curious, isn't it? There is a growing movement amongst campaign groups and certain human rights organizations calling for the decriminalization of sex work. It's a movement I've spoken out against before on the basis that, in my opinion, it's promoting a mistruth. It is based on a narrative that says sex work is work, like any other job. What sex workers want is the right to proudly identify as a sex worker, to pay taxes as a sex worker, to enjoy the protection that would come from working in a legal profession, to own and profit from their sexuality should they choose. But that is just not consistent with my experience. Like this woman whom I met on Calle Conde, after it was clear that I wasn't going to be paying for her services, she was reduced to essentially begging for money. Just two dollars, please. The veil of a confident, seductive escort had been removed to reveal someone 
I would imagine to be in a situation of poverty and desperation. And this is in a country where sex work is legal. Should we not be focused on the causes that have led to a woman needing to sell herself or beg on the streets of Santo Domingo? Gross inequality, access to education, the availability of free healthcare, employment opportunities. Should these not form the focus of our energy? It may seem cruel that I didn't get my wallet out and hand over a couple of dollars. In those circumstances, it just wouldn't have been safe. On that very street corner, myself and a producer from Channel 4's Unreported World were very almost mugged whilst filming there several years back. But that's a story for another day. So I hope that was helpful. Join us for the second half of this podcast where I get to sit down and chat with the amazing person that is Erica Jude, founder of Lily House, and share our exciting announcement about the future of Blue Bear Coffee Co. Thanks for listening. Peace.